Welcome to the Wednesday, April 7th, 2021 edition of the Clemson Dubcast at TigerIllustrated.com. The Danny's Days series, lengthy series, going to spend two weeks digging back into the hiring of some obscure assistant coach from Alabama (laughs) to be Clemson's coach. Sound familiar? And then going all the way through the 80s to the controversial parting between Danny and the Clemson University administration. Still dramatic, still compelling after all of these years, and even in light of all the greatness under Dabo Swinney in recent years. So check it out. Title sponsor of the Dubcast since the very beginning, back in August of 2018, Parm Smith and & Arsenal Law Firm in downtown Greenville. They want you to know that their office remains open and available to serve you during the COVID-19 crisis. They are also offering their clients the ability to meet via telephone or through video conferencing. Whether you have a loved one who has suffered from a car accident, defective product, a neglectful nursing home facility, or medical malpractice issue, Parm Smith & Arsenal's Greenville lawyers can provide the protection and guidance you need. Free consultations, 864-990-4581 or on the web at Parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solution, You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Okay, to our interview with John Newman about his transfer, uh, lots of other stuff about the season, his thoughts on Clemson's basketball program. And just as a disclaimer, this was recorded last week before Gonzaga went down, uh, went down hard in the national championship. So I guess disregard all of our all of our gushing over the Sags. Here we go. Enjoy. All right, joined by John Newman. Uh, the recent transfer from Clemson to UNC Greensboro. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing phenomenal, man. You know, I'm in my element right now, so I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. That's good to hear. I guess um, I want to ask you, we've had some breaking news here as we're recording this uh, on Thursday morning, April 1st, and it's not an April Fool's joke. It doesn't sound like Roy Williams uh, retiring. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, that's that's insane. That's insane. Um, I kind of expected him to retire sometime soon, but I didn't know it would be this soon, you know. So um, it's definitely shocking to everybody. And everybody, anyone who follows basketball is in shock right now. So, but good for him, man. Good for him. Yeah, being I guess <clears throat> from from North Carolina, I guess it me it's even a bigger deal uh, to folks up there who sort of are steeped in what that program is all about. Yeah, yeah pretty much. All pretty right, much. let's let's talk uh let's talk your transfer. When did you settle on on uh UNCG your your sort of area team there and and can we maybe dig a little deeper into that process? Um yeah, so I announced uh 2 days ago, the 30th. Uh, I kind of I kind of had a feeling um, that that would be a good place for me to land just because like, there's a lot of opportunity there for me to grow and develop my game. Um, I trust West Miller a lot. I've known him since I was like 14. Um, uh, and then, you know, I was just always in UNCG's gym just working out with guys. And I spent a lot of time around their guys and a few guys that kind of helped, like, change their program and, and, and turn it into one of the better mid-major programs. So I had really been immersed in their culture before I even got there. And it was just something that was very appealing to me. Um, Coach West has always been nice and cool to me, um, allowing me to, 
you know what I'm saying, be with the guys. Uh, so that was that was really a big fact, a big factor, and um, in deciding uh, where I, where I was going to go next, and then also you know coming home. I think I think a lot of people kind of like overestimated um, how important going home was for me. Like it was kind of going home was kind of just a plus. Like I saw the opportunity, um, I saw a great opportunity. So that's that's really why I came. But then it being home is just even even more of a even more of a uh, incentive to go. So it was a, it was it wasn't that much that went into it, but it was definitely like a well thought out process, you know. Who else did you hear from? Um, I heard from Liberty. I heard from UNC Charlotte, Minnesota, NC State, App, Providence, um, UNCW. Um, who else? George Mason. Old Dominion, uh, yeah, that's good like that. Mm-hmm. And can you maybe take me back to when the transfer idea first started rolling around in your mind? Sort of when, when that ball started rolling. Um, kind of towards the end of the season when I kind of saw that I was playing like four or five minutes in the first half, and then I would sit for the rest of the for the rest of the game. And I just knew that wasn't something that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, so, yeah, I just decided to go a new direction around. And it was, it was kind of later on in the year. What, what was your understanding of, I guess, you know, why you weren't playing more? I guess the, what you were. Uh, I never had that conversation. I never had that conversation. So, so I'm not really, I don't really have an understanding. Uh, I don't really care to have an understanding either. So, because I mean, because uh, you know, I'm in a different situation now, better situation. Um, I'm happy, so you know, it just is what it is. I kind of let it be, because I'm a strong believer that, like, you know, like words, like actions speak louder than words. So, if I wasn't playing, then you know, that's just how he feels. Me going to talk to him about it isn't necessarily going to change that much. You know, he's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people just, uh, you know, they'll tell you something. So. I just kind of wanted to uh, play it out, let the chips fall within me. It sounds like it was a hard year for you, um, not yeah. just on the court, but but otherwise. Can you maybe share um, just just how difficult of a year it was for you individually as a person? Uh, yeah, man, it was it was very difficult. You know, you go from being one of the premier players on, on your team to uh, you know what I'm saying barely playing. So it was that was hard. That was a lot mentally. Um, it definitely, it definitely weighed a toll on, you know, me emotionally and stuff like that. But the thing is like, it was a time, it was a time where like, I got, I like questioned, like, was I, I questioned my ability, but a lot of that was just like me going through this, like this kind of situation for the first time and not really knowing how to cope with it. So, uh, you know, in turn, I just like was doubting myself, but eventually I came to a point where I had peace about my situation. Uh, kind of like when I knew I was leaving, I had peace about it. And then, you know, it helped. And I, the situation was so tough, I grew through it. So I'm thankful for it, you know? Like, without that, I wouldn't, I mean, who knows? But it definitely, like, motivated me and, and, and inspired me to, to to take on, you know, new heights, you know, and and, and just put myself out there. You know, I've already, I already felt like, all right, I lost, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, whenever, whenever whenever we was in the season, I felt like, well, you know, I got nothing to lose and everything in the game, I'm at the bottom right now. And I and I truly feel like I felt like I grew through that. So this this year was tough, was very tough for me, like, mentally. Um, physically, honestly, too, dealing with my knee surgery and emotionally, but I'm thankful for it because I grew through it. And I think it's made me a better man, better person, better player. What was that? Do you remember that moment when you started to question your abilities? When was it? Um, I don't remember the specific moment. I know it was, I think it was like sometime in, right sometime in January. Like, he was just taking me, he was just yanking me out. And so I was like, man, like, am I even good enough? But I'm plenty good enough. I've already proven that. I just don't, I just don't remember the specific time. Can we go over the? You mentioned the 
the recovery from knee surgery. Can you refresh my memory on when the surgery was and just the whole process of rehabbing and trying to get back to being yourself? Yeah, so so actually I tore my meniscus in the Miami game last year. Or yeah, in the Miami game last year. Whenever uh in the ACC tournament it was the the first round. Mm-hmm. Um we I dumped it and when I came down I tweaked my knee. And so the following game, we're about to play Florida State, and this is the game that they canceled. I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to play anyway because I was having a lot of knee pain uh, due to my meniscus. So basically, um, it was a small it was a small tear. So I ended up I let it heal on its own, like it, it didn't require surgery. So I let it heal on its own, and that took about like twelve weeks, honestly. Um, so I really missed the whole quarantine. I didn't I, like, and once once it was healed. Uh, probably sometime in the middle of June, I ended up like having like pain from the from the scar tissue in my knee from the healing on the own. So from then, I ended up getting surgery. I think it was like early July, like late June, early July. And so that, and then I had to recover from that. That took about six, I think five or six weeks to recover from. So I was really out the whole the whole the whole quarantine. And didn't play. I didn't play a full month of basketball with without interruption until like January. So it, it was a lot. And when did you feel? Was there a point where you felt you were fully healed, fully confident on the knee? Um. Um. Probably towards the end. Um. I guess. <laughs> I guess because I wasn't playing, I, I felt better rested. My knee was getting the rest I needed. So maybe that was a plus, but uh, uh, I'd, I'd say like probably later on in the year, um, maybe not until March, honestly, maybe not until March. I remember in February, I was having, I had some days where my money my would give me trouble, but um, right now I feel good. My body feels great. I'm in a great place mentally, uh, physically, so I'm, I'm feeling good. Do you think the knee sort of not being totally well over the course of those couple of months that that, that, contributed to you not playing as much yeah i think so because um i mean you think about it i missed the whole quarantine the whole summertime so that's like missing out on development so and then whenever i did come like whenever i was able to like play again but still not feeling it i wasn't able to work as hard like work as much and do as much uh, on the court stuff because you know my knee would give me trouble so i think i think it, it was kind of like a snowball effect and then I'm not be I'm not me not feeling comfortable to make certain cuts and like like run as fast and do certain things. Um, I definitely think it had a had an effect on you know what I was able to do. How do you if, if you separate yourself sort of from the emotions of, of being on the team and, and not playing? If you if you looked at this past season sort of objectively, like if you were a sportscaster or something. And you're trying to evaluate, um, you know, the promising start, uh, the I guess the number twelve ranking, and then the recovery from the four losses in five games mid-season, and then the one and done in the ACC, and then the one and done in the NCAA tournament. How would you analyze how the season uh, transpired? Um, I would analyze it. Mm. I would say, like you know, we we obviously had a great we had a great regular season. We were nine and zero in the non conference. Um, I forgot what we went in the conference, but we had a pretty good season. We finished top half of the league. Uh, did really well. Um, but I think I think the way you just analyze it is you know great regular season, under uh, underperformed in, in the postseason, underachieved in the postseason. I mean, I think I think that's as simple as you can put it. Um, you know, we played really well in the regular season, and we looked like we were ready to go far in, in both of the tournaments and make, and make some noise. But unfortunately, that's just not that's just not how it happened. So, um, you know, I think that's the simplest way to simplest way to put it. So, how do you explain why uh, you guys underachieved in in the postseason? Um, I don't really think it's like a, a, a explanation per se. Um, I think you know it's just hard. It's hard, man. It's hard to win games. It's hard to win games at the at, the, at any level, really. D one, D two, D three, JUCO. It's hard to win games. Like, 
I think a lot of people don't realize how difficult and uh, like how difficult it is and, and how much goes into it. Um, you know, we just we just we just didn't do we just didn't do enough. We didn't do what it took. You know, uh, other teams made winning plays down the stretch. Um, we didn't. But other teams made shots and we missed. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot. Of, it, there are a lot of factors. There are really a lot of factors that you could you could say that lead to a team's underperformance. But what I can tell you is that team is one of the most connected teams that I've ever played on. And, um, and I had, a, and I, and I, and I'm, and I enjoyed that experience, you know, probably because of my, like, those are my, those are my brothers out there. And, you know, their success, their happiness is my happiness and their success is my success. So I tell you that, that like, we might've underachieved, but this is, this is one of the teams that, you know, we had we had an insane amount of of chemistry and uh, and love and care for each other. Can you elaborate on that connection and the chemistry and that sort of exceptional bond among the and I'm, I'm is, is it the players is it players and coaches too or or just the players? It's, it's mainly players. Um, it's really it's really just us players. We we just kind of like because it's a grind. So. When you're grinding and you're in the and you're in the trenches with your brother every day, you know you grow together and you go you you know what I'm saying you hurt together, and then you end up you end up you end up growing together um, through those tough times, uh, and that's kind of like what we all had had bonded through. Like you know, obviously we have a, we have a bunch of different guys from a lot of different backgrounds and stuff like that. Omax from Canada, JV from Germany, guys from the hood, guys from the suburbs, guys from the country. We just, uh, you know, a lot. It's a it's a group made of different different kinds of people, but the things that that bring you together is the struggle, and you know, going going through the tough times. Um, and, and and a lot of us got to see each other grow in our personal lives too. Um, for example, like Clyde. For example, I I told him I told him like at the end of the year I was on the phone with him the other day actually, um, like three days ago, and I told him I was like, man, I'm proud of you because. Like you used to be crazy. I, I always thought I was like, man, you used to be wild. Like, like not even necessarily just a, a crazy person, but like, I think his attitude sometimes wasn't always the best, and he really made a conscious effort to work on that this year. So I think that, um, like, you know, I tell him, I tell him every time I see him, I'm like, man, I'm proud of you. So a lot of the things like just seeing people, just seeing a person grow can like help you, like, or make you. Uh, you know, connect with him a little bit, sure. a little bit better. What do you make of his decision to, to leave? Can you say that again? Okay, what do you make of Clyde's decision to, I guess, our, I, I guess there's been oh, di- different reports, like he transferred portal, but also doing the NBA uh, evaluation well, yeah. thing. Kind of like, you know, do the NBA process and see what that looks like. And I guess he's going to be, uh, Doing the transfer portal, um, regardless. So looks like he won't be back. However you want to put it, uh, but no, nah, I mean I just think you know he played really well this year, and you know um, he de- he deserves he deserves a look he deserves a chance, and I think he'll get that chance. And you know it's just all the it's just all the matter of him deciding and making that decision of what he thinks is best for him and his future and his family moving forward. So, um, man, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he has this this kind of decision to make. I'm glad he's in that position to make that decision. And, you know, he's smart, so I'm sure he'll make the right one for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Did it surprise you to hear he's transferring? You said, did it surprise me? Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I mean, I had already knew. Okay. I already knew. He, he, we had talked about it before. So I kind of already knew what he was going to do. It's just a matter of when he was going to announce it. He gave, uh, after the loss to Rutgers in the NCAAs, he gave in the post-game press conference a really uh, impassioned um, sort of defense of Brad Brownell, um, saying he's unfairly criticized, saying, you know, what kind of a leader he is. Uh, And people, the average person doesn't really see the the behind-the-scenes Brownell. Um, I guess that, I don't know, could be viewed as being at odds with then him turning around and transfer. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you, how do you sort of square those two different sort of, um, I guess 
not sentiments, like, but on like one hand, a conflict of interest or something. Yeah, not, not necessarily conflict, but I guess if you listened to him after that game, you would say, "Oh, well, he, this wouldn't be one of the guys you would think would be transferring." And then it turns out he is in the portal. I was just curious if you could help me make sense of that. Well, I mean, you know, you can always you can have respect for somebody and appreciate uh, the things that that they that they go through. And um, and realize that you know sometimes people are unfairly criticized, and people do uh, give them problems where where they where they shouldn't where they shouldn't be. But at the same time, you gotta you know the respect is there, and the awareness is there um, of what Coach Manuel goes through, and him and him as a person and as a coach. But at the same time, you know you want to do what you feel like is best for you. So if you want to, if you're not happy somewhere, I'm not saying he wasn't happy, but I'm saying if you're not happy somewhere, um, and but you you but you respect you respect where you're at, um, and you appreciate the people where you're at, and but you feel like it's a better situation somewhere else, then you know everybody everybody has the right to do that. You know, um, it's no bad blood. It's no bad blood anywhere, but it's just like he felt like. And I guess he, I guess he felt like he had a better situation uh, somewhere else, or he wanted to just do something different. He wanted a different look. So, um, you know, you can you can you can you can play both sides. You can yeah. play both sides. And I guess like I think I think Clyde's on schedule to graduate, and I, yeah. I and you could make the case, and, and I think I think uh, Dabo Sweeney has this philosophy, and I think it, maybe even Brownell does too. It's like, hey man, once you graduate, like you have my blessings on whatever you do because you fulfilled your end of the bargain. So, you know, best of luck and, 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 and happy for you, that kind of thing. You, you see that side of it as well. Just sort of, you know, once you f- fulfill your, your academic obligations, you're free to go with no hard feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and even, even, even like him towards coach, like he coached him, he gave him all he had for four years, you know? And, and I guess, and I guess that speech, that speech was almost him giving him bless his blessing, you know, like you, you did all you could for me for, for the four years I was here and I appreciate you. And I see, and I see the things that you go through, but you know, now it's time to make for me to make a decision for me. Did you know beforehand that Omax was going to be leaving? Um, yeah, I mean, I knew like a couple of days before, um, before he had announced it, but, uh, as far as during the season being at like, did I know? No, but I did know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did know that he was leaving a couple of days before. I mean, with him, it looks like he he could have probably. I think they were penciling him as in as a starter, looking to next year yeah. uh, here. Can you help me understand? Give me a window into that. Uh, how that decision sort of makes sense for a, fre- a freshman to 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 depart in those circumstances. I think I think Omax just wanted something different. I think he just wanted something different, um, and, and I think he wanted to get somewhere where you know, you know, he like felt more comfortable. I, th- I think that's all it was. He just wanted to, to, to be in a better situation for him and in a situation that he was more comfortable with. So I don't really know all the ins and outs of what he was thinking. I talked to him the other day. We just talked about life, though. But uh, mm-hmm. I think he just wanted a different look. I think he just wanted a different look. Like I said, there's no bad blood anywhere. Yeah. What do you make of uh, Coach Goins leaving for Boston College and then more recently uh, Coach Simmons uh, leaving to take a head coaching job? Man, I'm I'm excited for everybody. I'm excited for everybody. Like, man, Coach 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 Goins, Coach Goins is my position coach. You know, he's from he's from Greensboro. He's from where I'm from. My dad actually sold his parent his parents the house that he grew up in. Oh wow. Yeah, so I mean that's my guy, and I'm I'm excited for him. You know, he get he gets to work for like one of his main one of his main dudes. You know, one of his best friends. So that's the that's the opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm sure that he'll be that he'll find a lot of success at Boston College, and I'm excited for him. Um, also, Coach Marty, man, he's he's a great kid. I love Coach Marty. Like he's one of the most inspiring and like caring coaches I've ever played for. So um, he's able to, to connect and relate with a lot of his players. So I think he'll he'll find a lot of success there, man. He deserves it. He deserves it. So um, deserves it. I think back in 
December when you guys were, you know, you had your hot start. I think y'all, I think y'all had beaten uh, Maryland. And during a press conference, I asked you about sort of the, the, when you have as many rotations going on and, and, and as much depth as, as you guys had at that time, um, I think I asked you something to the effect of the how hard it is for everyone, or how important it is, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. for everyone to sort of to sort of put their individual aspirations aside in support of the whole team dynamic. And you had a great answer um, because at that time, let's see, you had averaged thirty-one and a half minutes a game last season. And then at that point, you had played 23 minutes against Maryland, and you had 12, 12 really uh, crucial points in that game. And so, here, here, here's the quote that that you gave me, which I thought I still think is really good. You said, "Everybody's family and friends back home have a lot of expectations for us as individuals, but one thing I always told people back home and my family is this year is going to be a year of sacrifice." I played a lot of minutes last year. I had a big role. A lot was asked of me. This year coming into it, I knew we would have a lot of good guys, a lot of guys sitting out last year that are talented, a lot of talented young guys coming in. So I just knew this was the year I was going to have to sacrifice some things, and I'm fine with that. My high school, I came from a coach that was about sacrificing hard work, so it wasn't too much of a difficult transition for me. I was kind of ready to sacrifice to win. <clears throat> And at the time, even Coach Brownell was saying, like, hey, this, is, this isn't this is easy. This is something we're going to have to juggle all year. And it's something that he addressed with the team early on, saying, hey, um, this isn't going to be the easiest thing to manage. What, how do you view that perspective in hindsight looking back? Uh, I, I get the same thing. I feel the same way. Like, everybody – I feel like everybody sacrificed something. Um you know, I sacrificed a lot. Clyde sacrificed a lot. Uh, Nick sacrificed a lot. Al sacrificed a lot. It was still, it was still a, a year of sacrifice. And although, like, it didn't necessarily like end up going the way I wanted it to, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the thing. I wouldn't change the thing, man. I think I believe I'm right. I'm right where I need to be. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Um, I'm in the situation I'm in right now. Because that's that's where God wants me to be. So, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes whenever you know there's a good there's a good people by your side, and you know that they work and they and they and they don't cut corners and they work, uh, they come in every day and work. You have no problem with sacrificing sacrificing some things, you know. So, um, so I mean, that's that's that that's that. In in the moment back in December even though you knew that you weren't going to have as many minutes as you had the previous season, did you have any, any notion that it would be as low as 15 minutes a game? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I had no idea of that, but, um, you know, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) I'm not worried about it at all. Were there times though, when you were maybe bitter about it? Yeah. Uh, well, not not necessarily bitter. I ne- like, I'm just not a bitter person. Mm-hmm. Like whenever like whenever people don't do right by me, I'm, I don't really I don't really get emotional or get in my feelings about it. I just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Um, I believe I'm in every situation I'm in for a reason. Like I just said. So uh, you know, I don't. I, I just. It was a, it was like internal conflicts more than anything, more than like being bitter towards someone. It was like internal conflicts, you know. Like I said, when I had questions whether I could play or not, like you know, it was like little things like that. I was never like bitter or hoping this happens or nothing like that, you know. It was just inner conflict that I was having. What uh, what's the hardest thing you think this team as a as a group went through this past season? Team, um, I think the hardest thing we went through was that break. I mean, like that that five game streak, uh, yeah, like thing. 
where we was losing. I think we lost. Where, where did we lose? Like four in a row? Four or five. Four or five, yeah. like All by like 18 points or more, I think. Yeah, we, we was getting our ass kicked. <laughs> so, I mean, man, like that was, that was tough. That was tough because I think it's just something that we really weren't prepared for. Like we didn't see that coming. We were the hottest team. Like, you know, we we're just a little Clemson. And we beating everybody. So, I think, I definitely think that caught us off guard and we weren't prepared for that. So, that was probably, that was the toughest thing because we were so unprepared for it that, like, we didn't know, like, we didn't know what to do. We were like, man, we're just going to hope that, they, that we come out of this soon because we can't keep going like this. But that was, that was a hard, that was a hard time. That was a hard time. At Harris Home and Harris Commercial, they want you to get every detail right. Harris means beautiful design that delivers taste, style, and comfort. It's a legacy of integrity built by generations of outstanding reliability and service. It's all about creating just the right look, the perfect feel, and dependable function for every room in your home or any business setting. Folks at Harris are Clemson people based in Anderson. A lot of Clemson University's recent facilities improvements have Harris's fingerprints all over them. For endless flooring possibilities and breathtaking renovation, the only name you need to know is Harris. Website is discoverharris.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. What do you, what's your sort of view of the future of Clemson basketball moving forward? How do, how do you evaluate? Uh, um, I don't really know. I don't, I don't like, cause I mean, obviously they lost a lot this year. They lost five players, two coaches. Um, so I don't really, I can't really say that. I can't really say they still got a lot of people to replace. So, uh, but I, I can tell you um, that those guys work hard and they're a talented group of guys and they're going to be connected. I can tell you that they're going to be connected, that they're going to play hard every possession. And, um, and I wish them the best of luck. You know, those are all my brothers. Hunter Tyson is my best friend. So, um, so man, I, I, I hope that, you know, I know they're going to play hard and I know they're, they're talented. Uh, I just, you know, I, I wish them the best of luck. Amir yeah. and Trap were sort of the the leader type figures uh, this past season. Who are going to be those sort of dog types, leader types moving forward in your mind? You think? Um, I think it would be Hunter and Nick, uh, along with I mean, I guess whatever transfer they get. If, if that transfer is ready to to lead the team and lead the group and and, and buy into the culture, then it'd be him too. So whoever they bring in, but I mean, honestly, like like Clyde and Amir were like the out, like the forward, like the out, the leaders that are like out and kind of. I guess you see him. I mean, not necessarily Clyde, fire more Amir, but um, there's a lot of there was a lot of leaders on that team. I want I want you to know that like there's a lot of leaders on that team. Um, a lot of people lead and led in, in different ways. Like I was more of a silent leader. I led by example, um, practice, try to set a good example off the court. And then, you know, I always, always motivate guys and make sure guys are in a good headspace. And I make sure the locker room, uh, headspace is good. You know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of people that, that lead in a lot of different ways, but I think that Hunter and uh, Nick will be probably the most like vocal, uh, leaders. And Al, Al too. What do they need to do to get over the hump to, to you know, to, to make a, a, a more extended run in the NCAA tournament to be more consistent? Um, 
I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Um, that's probably a, that's probably a coach's question. I, I don't really know. <laughs> you're not <laughs> there I, anymore, so you're yeah, you're uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I probably just say, you know, expect to win. You know, just continue to to develop that that winning mindset and make it a culture of winning. Um, expect to win every single game because as little as the thing as that sounds, like that's 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 real. You know, and that and that those kind of things are what change the culture and what what can turn a team that that won 15 games one season to a 20 21 22 win uh win team you know just that that belief and you know um that everyday like constant mindset of like we expect to have excellence like we expect to win so i said just developing that Tran- the, the the number of transfers is just exploding largely as a result of uh, the elimination of the one-year penalty. Um, uh, you have to sit. Uh, what do you so, – so if you ask a lot of coaches, if you ask a lot of fans, to them it's like this is out of control. Um, the game is not recognizable compared to what we used to – you know, what we're used to seeing – um, mm-hmm. To them, it's a huge negative to see three, four, and five players transferring from teams on a regular basis. What's your response to that, and what do you make of that sort of outlook and view of of the transfer trend as being really detrimental and not a good thing at all? Uh, as a whole, not necessarily with you, but just just from a player perspective. From a player perspective, I mean, I see a lot of people like you know, kind of criticizing so many kids being in transfer portal. Um, but it's like at the same time, you kind of got to like, you got to look at it from both sides. Like, people would talk bad about it. a bunch of kids transferring. They say that it's a shame or whatever. But at the same time, they didn't. They're not like, oh, all these coaching changes. You know, no one, no one wants to talk about that. And you know, a lot of times the kids like we're lied to. And we're told things that that you know coaches may not truly uh, believe or truly want, but they 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 they'll tell you these things so that they they can get you there, and then um and then cover their cover their backs. But um I think I think it's great, man. I think people having the courage to 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 see something, see a situation, and you know feel feel. Have the, have enough courage to you know move on. They see a situation that's not good for them. They have the, enough courage to move on, because a lot of people, uh, because of the rule, they were like, "Man, I don't want to have to sit out a year." Blah blah. Let me just let me let me just thug it out and, and see what happens. Um, and then they and then a lot of times they ultimately like it ultimately hurts them. It hurts their career. So I think that a lot of like this this rule has a lot allowed a lot of kids to, um, you know, have more freedom and, and to do what they want. And do what's best for them and, and their careers and their families. So, I'm happy about it. Uh, of course, there's some people that probably would take advantage of it, but for the people that that can um, and that need to, I'm, I'm happy about it. Is there merit to the belief or the argument that the most productive, often the most productive period of an athlete's existence is when he or she faces moments of like extreme adversity and pushes through and perseveres and then ends up better. And that this, the removal or or sort of making it so much easier for kids to transfer, it increases the frequency of, of athletes who at their first sign of adversity, they leave and that's not good for them in the long run. Do you see the, the logic in that? Do you agree with that to an extent? Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I definitely agree to an extent. But at the same time, there's there's people like me that you you went through the adversity and you grew and like you grew through it. Yeah. You know, like I don't consider my situation like oh I I'm, I ran from my situation. Like a lot of people really need to get out of their situations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like some some situations really get bad, and obviously you're going through it, and it's a and it's a struggle and it's difficult. But um. But I think that, you know, as long as you grow through it and and you just, you know, 
stay persistent at it. And once that season's over, if you feel like there's a better opportunity for you somewhere else, then then by all by all means leave. I think it just depends. Like it's going to vary uh, by the individual whether they decide to whether they're growing through it or it, or whether they're running from it. You know. And you you hit on it a few minutes ago. Like, I mean, coaches in general, they kind of the whole industry sort of they made their bed by you know bringing in this much money and then seeing coaches leave at the drop of a hat um kind of hypocritical on a certain level to then say well players can't do it and they should be forced to stay at the same place um it was kind of one came before the other you see what i'm saying you said it again i was just saying that and you 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 sort of highlighted you mentioned this earlier that you know, this trend really began when, you know, with the, the proliferation of coaches, uh, coaches le- leaving their own jobs and, and, and bouncing around at the drop of a hat. And so it's kind of hypocritical to then say, oh, players should be forced to stay at the same school their entire college careers. Right. Exactly. And it's like we and it's like y'all are, y'all leaving and, and y'all leaving, y'all getting up and leaving. And y'all got millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? We got we got to. Y'all already got the, the M's. We're trying to feed our family. You know what I'm saying? So it's crazy when I see people, like, you know, shaming players for wanting to leave, like, and not shaming a coach for t- telling these kids what they want to hear, getting them there, and then leaving and taking a better job, like, as you say, like, at the job of the hat. So, um, you know, I think you kind of got to – you got to, you really got to look at both sides. You know, they got, they got millions of dollars already. They're going to be okay regardless. But our situation, they get up and leave us, like – that could be our livelihood, you know? So it's just a little perspective. How much of a challenge is it you think for coaches in general to relate to today's athlete, today's just personalities? And, and you know, it seems like there's a disconnect there that I just we just talked about. Um, is, is there a significant disconnect just in general between coaches and players and sort of their uh, – I think it can be. I think it just it just it varies uh, based on 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 who it is. Um, you know, I think yeah, I think it, I think it varies. Obviously, probably a younger coach that gap is probably probably shortened a lot because the age gap isn't is extreme as an older coach. But I mean, older coaches probably it's probably older coaches that can relate to their players a lot too. I just think it, I think it just all depends on um, on you know the players. You know how like I guess uh, how much they reciprocate that energy, and then how much the coach like goes out and actually tries to actively pursue and learn about his players. You know, I think it's kind of a, it's kind of a two way street. But I think a lot of times the coaches need to make a uh, more solid effort because like we're nineteen, twenty, twenty one years old. Like we we're we're still figuring it out. You know, and I mean obviously we obviously we all are, but at the same time like. It's kind of intimidating, you know, when you when you got a, a man that's kind of in, in control of your future, um, trying to talk to you. But I think the more that coach makes them feel welcome and and it's personable, it makes it a lot easier for everybody. How did you mention? How did you handle or manage social media and monitor and what people were saying about, I guess, you in particular, but but mostly the team in general? Like how how much how much or how little? Did you and the rest of your teammates uh, pay attention to that? Um, I think my teammates pay a lot more attention to it than uh, than I do. But because uh, I, I really, I really wasn't even on social. Media. Like, I was on like Instagram a little bit, like towards the end. I didn't really get on Twitter till the end. Actually, um, I was on Snapchat. I don't really go looking. Like the thing is, like I feel like you're gonna find it if you go looking for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't ever like, because I've never been the one to go in on Twitter and type my name in anywhere. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whatever pop, whatever. You, if you mention me or tag me, I'll see it. But like, I don't go looking for like John Newman. Like, let me do like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, like, I just don't care. Like, I don't care enough. You know what I'm saying? Those people, those people, they don't, they don't pay me. And they don't make me feel good. So, like, 
you know, I don't, I don't, I just really don't go looking for it. I feel like, you know, if you if you're looking for validation uh, from from somebody else, man, then you know, you know, that's a problem you got with yourself. So, I really don't. I really haven't seen anything about me. I'm sure people were saying negative things, but it's not something I go look for. So I've never really seen it. Well, there was that episode after the ACC tournament loss to Miami where Amir went public with uh, some of the nasty racist DMs he was getting from crazy fans, oh, like yeah. I'm assuming who bet on the game or something. But what what's yeah. that like when you when not necessarily when it comes at you directly, but when it when somebody comes after your teammate, leader, one of your brothers in that Man. way? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it's a shame that that people put that much stock into that. It's like, bro, if you're gonna bet on a bunch of 20 year olds and I don't know for me I don't bet on things that I that I, feel I can't control at all if I can control something a little bit I might would bet on it but if I can if I can't if I have no control over it and I'm betting on an 18 year old 20 year old to do something like I don't know if that's necessarily the smartest idea so that's that, that's the first thing and then um man it's hurtful like I've gotten some messages like that myself um but to see his yeah, I mean it's 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 terrible. But I mean, I'm being honest, man. That's what you, that's what it that's what it's like. You know what I'm saying? Being black, um, being black in America, man. Like a lot of people think they can just you know talk to you however they want and treat you however they want. Especially you know being an athlete when you when you got this kind of platform and you're playing on this kind of stage. A lot of people would think that a lot of time, a lot of times we're just defenseless because you know you can't talk back, say something crazy back to them, and then they end up posting you or sending it to the AD. So a lot of us are, are defenseless. Um, but, man, it's, 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 it's tough. And it makes you want to it makes you want to do things. But ultimately, you just kind of got to take the high road and realize, like, you know, they're just losers. They're just losers. Like, like whenever people say something to me on Twitter, I'm just, I just put a little loser gif. Yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm like, you worried about what I got going on? Like, don't you got a family or something? Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like this is they just they just goofy. How powerful were the internal conversations that you guys had as a team in the midst of the George Floyd social justice uh, movements and such back in the summer and and I guess in the fall as well. Man, they're very powerful. Um, you know, sometimes we even had conflicts. You know, like there's a group of black guys on the team that feel a certain way about the same thing. And then there's, there's, there's white guys that don't feel as strongly about it as we do. So sometimes it causes conflict. Um, and, but a lot of it, we, we were united on and we had, we had a lot of great talks and, and ideas. And, you know, I think, I think it's something that we all agree through, you know, coaches included. I think it's, I think, uh, I think they kind of, it was like the first time they ever. Well, I'm not gonna say first time ever, but it was a it was a it was a big part. And when they when they like kind of reached out and to see how we felt, um, you know, what I'm saying outside of, outside of basketball because it was something that affected that affects a whole com- community of people. And um, you know, but it, it was it was a tough time on us. But you know, I think it's something we all grew through. We all grew through it. And um, I think our nation grew through it too. So, so what do you think? I mean, you said there was um, disagreement uh, about certain issues. Like, what? I'm not asking you to get into specifics on who and all that, but what were some of those issues, and how how do you resolve that? Because pe- people in the uh, you know, grown people twice your age in the outside world can't can't resolve that stuff. People are tearing each other's heads off on social media, and everybody's everybody's you know so entrenched into their belief. And there's doesn't seem like there's a a lot of love and common ground being sought, at least on social media. I know that's not representative of 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 the whole you know population, yeah. but I'm just curious of how do you work through those types of difficult conversations and to, to, to achieve, um, I guess, uh, you know, some sort of better elevated understanding and, and preserving that love of, of, among each other. Well, I mean, the first thing is like, you got to realize like at the end of the day, it's, it's your brother. So 
if they're not doing anything, like if they're not actively doing something to your detriment, then, you know, everything's going to be okay. Now, about beliefs and things like that, I think it's just a part of life. Like, you know, you know, like it might be my, it might be a good friend of mine, but he thinks that Donald Trump is like, you know, the greatest thing ever. But a lot of that can be the fact that he doesn't, he can't like my, 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 my white friend, he can't relate to me. You know, he can't relate to my struggle and the things that I see, like, cause I've experienced racism. So the things that I see that are racist, that people do what they say and in their mannerisms and the way they treat people that like my white friend may not realize that because he's never been looked at funny or he's never had a white man call him boy or, you know, he's never been, uh, He's never been harassed by the police, you know what I'm saying? And so he's never looked for that kind of thing. So I think a lot of it is just like people trying to, you know, I think that a lot of it is, you know, trying to gain, actually actively trying to gain an understanding on on the other side and what and what the other side experiences and goes and, and goes through um, every day. Um, so I think that's kind of the way that you that you do it. You kind of just try to understand and like. And be supportive and, and be there. Like, don't just, don't be silent. It was a time where it was, like, frustrating. You kind of figure out who's on your side and who's not. Because if you're silent about it, it's almost like you're, if you're silent about it and you're not doing anything behind the scenes, then it's like you're really, the, you're part of the problem because you're accepting what's going on. Now, if you're silent about it, but you're going, you're going up to courthouses and you're trying to get in contact with judges and you're trying to like actively pursue the, the issue, then okay, uh, kudos. But if you just sit around and you're silent and you're watching it all happen and you're not playing a part in history, then you're on the wrong side of history. Where will John Newman be after basketball? Um, like like location wise? I'm or, sorry, or? not no, not geographically, but prop. What, what do you want to do? What do you envision oh, for man, yourself I'm, professionally? Yeah, I'm going to own businesses. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Um, I've, already got, I've already got a business idea that I'm kind of putting in the works right now. I started talking to some uh, some owners of places and stuff like that, just trying to learn the market better. But uh, my goal is to have a business uh, like up and running before I graduate college. So if I use that second year, I think it's definitely – if I use the first year, it's, it's going to be tough. But if I use that, if I use the second year, then 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 it's it's up, it's gonna happen. So I'm gonna make that happen. Any 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 details, or is that pro- uh, proprietary? It's, it's, got, it's got to do with with clothes. Okay. It's got to do with clothes. So I, I that's all I can give you. If I get too specific, somebody, somebody <laughs> it. so I gotta I gotta uh, I gotta relish this idea, you know. I don't want anybody taking notes. Yes, I don't want anybody stealing your <laughs> your idea. What what, uh, what is it like for basketball players at Clemson? Speaking of the career development and pre- preparing yourselves for life after after athletics, what is it like for basketball players to look over at the Paul Journey over in the football facility and see all the all the money that they put into that and all the resources devoted to to, to their preparation? You know in a non-sports realm and then to not, you know, for you guys to, to have substantially less, is that hard or, or not? Um, is it hard? No. Um, because at this point, not everybody's looking for that kind of, those kind of resources. Um, but I mean, honestly, there, I've been, I've been presented opportunities through student athlete development, um, programs, you know, and they, and they were good opportunities, and I'm and I've actually capitalized on one. I'm I'm in an internship with Adobe. Mm-hmm. Um, starting on starting on April 12th, I'll be in a uh, starting an internship with Adobe. So like, I can't really be too mad because I've I've been given opportunities, and I've and I've capitalized on one. So I can't really sit here and be like, ah, oh, why do they have this? Because I mean, basically everybody, it's really just the football team has Paul Journey or whatever. And then everybody else has the same, like we all have the, another, we all have a, a resource and just like they do, I guess theirs is just strictly for them, which is okay. And then everybody else is kind of just in a big pool of, uh, you know, 
of people. So I can't really, I'm not really bitter about nothing like that. Man. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They, 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 they're bringing in a lot of money. So I, I get it. <laughs> I get yeah, it. I didn't, yeah. I, I might not have phrased that, that, that correctly, but yeah, it sounds like y'all, they have done a lot to, to Im- improve the, the things made available to the non-football athletes, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, I'm happy for I'm happy for us. What will you miss most from Clemson? Um, I'll miss most is my teammates. My teammates. Um, you know, definitely got a got a chance to bond with a bunch of guys and like really build a relationship with these dudes over the years. Um, like I said earlier, Hunter Tyson, my best friend, Hunter Tyson, Parker Fox, Nick Honor, like Al, Clyde, like like I mean, like everybody. Those are all my brothers. So just you know, seeing them every day, and you know, I've gone from like I'm, I mean, I'm back home now, so I, I, I haven't seen them. I left the other day. I, I'm only been going two days, but you know, it's still. I think about it a little bit. I'm like, damn, I miss the bros. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like those are, I've seen. I'm saying I'm in the trenches with these boys every single day, and now I just don't be seeing them. So it's definitely gonna be something I'm used to. But I'm gonna I'm gonna miss my teammates the most. Speaking of Hunter, what was it like seeing him when he got just just cracked in the face. Uh, I guess that was the Alabama game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I see. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see it happen. I didn't see it happen. I just know. Like we came up. Like I think. I guess halftime. We are. We went in the locker room, and his. He was just throwing up, and I'm like, "What's up? With, what, like, what happened to you?" And his eye was black, and I'm like, oh, man, like he down bad. A black eye should have nothing to do with growing, with throwing up. So I was like, wow. I was like, you're, you're, he's in trouble. I don't know what's going on, but that ain't good. But it was good to see him bounce back. And then he had a little face mask going that was smooth, you know. <laughs> so, um, no, that was dope, though. I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy he's he fully recovered and stuff like that. What, uh, what will you miss least about Clemson? Well, I miss least. Uh, what would I miss least? I'll probably miss. Um, that's a good question. What would I miss least? Mm, give me like ten seconds. Think about that. <laughs> Not playing. That's- uh, nah, facts. Not playing. Nah, that's. <laughs> Dang, that should have been way easier than I made. Mean. Nah, that's a fact. <laughs> that's so true, man. That is so true. That's, I'm gonna go on with that. I'm gonna you can put you can put that in work. Okay. What uh, have you have you watched Gonzaga closely? Uh, not closely. I've I've watched a few games, but I mean they're pretty unstoppable. <laughs> I, I can't. I mean I. I can't get over how pure they are. How uh, the way yeah. they play is just. I, I said some, to somebody yesterday, if you're a middle school coach or a high school coach, you should be putting your kids in front of Gonzaga film for hours and hours and hours. Just the way they play the game is just like almost yeah. artistic. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like it's it's like inspiring. <laughs> It's inspiring. That's trying to probably make people that don't even play basketball want to play basketball because they just look like they're having so much fun out there. You like them to win it all? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, ain't nobody beating them. <laughs> <laughs> nobody beating them. Everybody know. It. I mean Baylor. I mean Baylor. Baylor could. Baylor, Baylor's probably gonna give him a game, but ain't nobody else. Um, yeah, nobody else is really seeing them. Does Clemson football win another national championship in the three in the next three seasons? For sure, I think I'm predicting two. Two. Yeah, I'm predicting two. I think I think DJ. Uh, I think DJ. I'm, I was going to try to pronounce his last name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Disrespect <laughs> him like that. But um, yeah, I think DJ has a lot of up, uh, has a lot of upside. Uh, Joseph Mugata, uh They got him coming back. Off, uh, you know, he had a little injury and stuff, but you know they got a, they got a, they, I think they got a, a good group of guys coming in, like Peyton Page too. He's actually from Greensboro, mm-hmm. um, so they got a lot of, they, they got a lot of good young guys coming in over the years, and obviously everybody does, but 
I, I think as we've seen it a few years, Clemson's just a little different, you know, and it didn't go how they wanted it to go this year, but they made it, you know, they made it. So it's about having that chance to make it again and then just, just being better the next time, you know. What what do you think? Of, what's it like watching Dabo just as a, as a leader? What do you think of him? Um, just sort of the force of nature that he is as a sort of cultural uh, force, if if that makes well, sense. I, I can. I mean, I don't really. I see. See, I haven't paid that much attention to what like the things that he like says too much. Um, but I definitely can say like I respect how he has like really took over like Clemson football and like changed it into like really a brand. Like it's really like, that's, that's really like a brand now, you know? And, um, I respect how he's like been able to like, I guess, grasp the attention and get the respect, uh, of a, of a, of a whole fan base, mm-hmm. you know, like I haven't, I mean, I, other, I mean, it's been some things, but, I really haven't heard anyone be able to say a word about his character. Um, and then he wins games. So I got respect for anybody that can be a good person, uh, go about things the right, the right way. And also like win doing that, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's, that's what looks best. So I got a lot of respect for him and, um, and what he's done for the football program. In your entire time at Clemson, who's the best athlete you saw in person, regardless of best. sport? Um, I mean, I'm gonna go with like Clemson athlete. Uh, yeah, both Clemson athlete or and and oh, playing against. Yeah, and opposing. Okay, so Clemson wise, I probably go with uh. It's been a lot of tough dudes. <laughs> it's been a lot of tough dudes. When did I, you first get what, what was the year you first stepped foot I up? first got there Marquise Reed senior year. Okay. Uh, but now, I, I, I would probably say uh, for me, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with uh, with Justin Ross. Mm-hmm. He cold. Like he, I, see, I, like, I like receivers a lot. I like receivers a lot. And like, I, cause I just, I just respect how they can like move and maneuver and be so agile and be like big, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I got a lot of respect for that. So I, I'm really gonna go with, um, I'm really gonna go with Justin Ross. He's, he's fine. Like, I hear that his season, like, was, was. I mean, I guess he, yeah, he didn't play this year, but um, next year he gonna kill. Or when, whenever he come back, he gonna kill. He's an animal. So, that's, I, I forgot which game it was. But he was just catching everything and just like running up the side, like he is—he's poetic. <laughs> he's poetic. Yeah. How about opposing? Um, opposing, I'm gonna go with um, opposing, 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 opposing. Zion? Can, I, can it be somebody that I played against? Sure, Zion. Uh, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, probably him. He he just his athleticism and the way that he uh, just the way the, just the way that he just dominates the game. And and it's like even when he when even when you don't see him, like you got to kind of like <laughs> you got to think about him because it's like where is he at? Like what's he about to do next? You know he 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 requires a lot of attention. You know I say that he requires a lot of attention. Just his athleticism and explosion and his ability to get to get to get to places where it's just like it shouldn't be possible almost yeah like usually super elite all-time <laughs> athletes they look the part like physically mm-hmm. but if but if you just see that guy just walking down a sidewalk you're probably <laughs> like oh well he's a you know he's a, a lifter or yeah or an offensive guard or something right. you don't He's so nimble and fast and athletic, and just does so many different things. It's just it doesn't normally come in that type of package, I guess. Yeah, he, he's a yeah, he's blessed. That's a gift from God. That is a gift from God. All right, John Newman. I think we've covered it all. Unless you had anything else you'd like to to share. Oh no, nah, man. We hey, we got we got we got we got it in. 
we got it awesome man well we will try to keep in touch with you we'll definitely we'll definitely watch you and your future endeavors and both on the court and in your uh your soon to be named clothing line uh we look forward to hearing about that um but really appreciate your time sir oh man i appreciate you i appreciate uh you uh giving me the opportunity to come on here and talk so pleasure is mine pleasure is mine all right, thanks to John Newman for joining us. Appreciate him sharing his time with us. Also appreciate the support of our six very generous and loyal sponsors. And most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting play on this every week. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. Be safe. Cheers.